Because that song that we just sang was based off Psalm 130, which is where we're going to be today. And so honestly, I mean, we could just, we could just pack it up and go. Y'all want to y'all wanna do that? or No, I'll, I'll stay, I'll stay, I'll stay, I'll stay, I'll stay. Now, we're going to have a little bit of fun today. Uh, so yeah, we are in Psalm 130. Um, and this is actually going to be the last week of uh, this series that we're in called Psalms of Prayer, Bobby. Psalms of Prayer. Uh, but as you all know, because you're all you know, experienced Christian, Psalm 130 is not the last psalm of this book of Psalms. It's actually, it goes all the way to 150, so we will be continuing uh, the reading plan all the way through 150 because it's so much fun, and we're all just having so much fun being in the Psalms. It's actually, so whenever we first started it, I was kind of, uh, I was kind of worrisome, I guess, because I was like, man, 150 Psalms? You want, Grayson wants me to read 150 Psalms? Like, I, I struggle enough with reading my Bible you know, on the daily, and he wants me to read 150? But what we've seen as we've gone throughout this reading plan is that it's actually, it's not, it's not too bad. Is it, is it bad? It's not too bad. I mean, all the Psalms, you know, there's some, there's, I mean, there's some, pretty, there's some pretty long ones, but there's also some pretty short ones. And so this morning, Psalm 130, it's only eight verses, so I, I promise I will try not to keep you here past lunchtime. You know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about some things. We're going to talk about this, this psalm, the psalmist, maybe what he was going through. We're going to try to relate it a little bit to what we're going through, and then, hey, that's it. We're done, right? Pretty good schedule of events. You can write that down if you need to. But Psalm 130. What we need to know about this psalm before we get started is that it is a, a song of a sense. And what that means is that the psalmist is, is ascending out of the depths of the valley that he's in. So if you can imagine a mountain, right? There's a valley at the bottom of the mountain. And when you're in the valley, it seems that you can look up at the mountain and you could say, oh my gosh, man, this is, this is going to be hard. This is going to be really tough for me to scale this mountain. I don't know how I could possibly get up there. And so what we see, the psalmist is, his valley is despair. His valley is sin that he is struggling with. His valley is the guilt and shame that follows sin whenever we don't acknowledge that it's a problem in our life. And so that's really what this psalm is about. But then there is, there is kind of, he walks us through what it looks like to, one, acknowledge our own sin, two, to, to pray to the Lord and wait on the Lord. And then three, what it looks like for God to answer uh, that prayer. And before we get into it, right, before we start reading, I just, I just want to pose a question. Have you ever gotten your hopes up? Right? And then after, so it's a two-part question. Have you ever gotten your hopes up and then has anyone ever let you down? Right? Because that's what happens whenever we get our hopes up, Right? We put our trust, our faith in someone to keep their word, knowing that that someone is, is a human being, but then they don't keep their word and they let us down. And I remember as a kid, my, my, I, have, I have three older brothers, and they're like extremely older than me. They're like in their like almost like 50s. It's weird. It's, it's a whole dynamic. But whenever I was little, they would always make promises to me. They would say, hey, we're going to... I want to take you to the movies. Like, I want to take you to, to uh, there, was this, there was this weird, uh, like, little, um, like, arcade place. It was like, 
It was like Frankie's, but it was called like Fantasia or something like that off Heron Circle. Like if, if, you, if you're from here, you know about that. And it was sketchy. It was super sketchy. I don't even know why I was allowed to go there. But anyways, my brothers would always make promises to me. And because they're human, because they worked full-time jobs plus, plus some more, they weren't always able to keep their word. And sometimes it was just out of, if we can be honest, out of comfort that they weren't able to keep their words. But I remember every time they would make a promise like that, my mom would look at them and say, hey, don't get his hopes up. And then after they would leave, my mom would look at me and say, hey, don't get your hopes up. Because what would happen if I got my hopes up and then I was, I was hurt? They wouldn't have to clean up their mess. My mom would. And so my mom was also trying to protect herself, protect me, and also protect them. And so what, what I think that the psalmist is going to help us understand as long as what he helped me understand with that story and what he's going to help us understand with this psalm is, is this. In the depths of our own despair, we can put our hope, all of our hope, in the Lord because one, he hears us. Two, he redeems us. And why does he do that? Because ultimately he loves us. And so let's get started. We're going to read uh, Psalm 130, if you're there. And then we're going to start in, verses, in verse 1. He says, Out of the depths I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. So there's one main point that we have to realize right here, just when he's getting started. He's acknowledging that he's, that he's in despair. He says, out of the depths, I call to you. Out of my own sorrow, out of this pit that I have built to myself, he's acknowledging that he's sinful. He's acknowledging that he needs a savior. He needs someone to help him with his, with his struggles, with his brokenness. And what I think that we can learn from this is that we have to be real with God. Can we be real? Can we be real for a moment? Can we tell God about how we're broken? Can we tell God about how someone, what someone did that, that, that hurt us? Can we tell God about how we have hurt him? Because at the end of the day, whenever we continue to sin against God... It's, it's, we're hurting, we're hurting him. Because, and he loves us so much that he, he loves us regardless of the decisions and the mistakes that we make, but we have to acknowledge that our own sin is against God. And then I think we also have to understand the significance of, of, of this part. The significance of crying out to the Lord. Well, have you, have you ever been so hurt that you've cried out? Again, I, it makes me think back to my childhood and even some, some crazy things that I've been through in my teenage years, but I remember whenever I would get so, so hurt, and it may have been something silly like my, my parents not letting me go stay at my friend's house or my, my parents not letting me stay out till, till past late because I wanted to hang out with my friends, but I would get so hurt that I would, I would cry aloud. I would just cry out and just be... I was so hurt. And in this moment, we can, we can relate with the psalmist because he's literally crying out for help. 
He's crying out because he, he realizes that he needs a Savior. He realizes that he cannot save himself. And what we have to understand is that we cannot save ourselves. We need a Savior, just like the psalmist here needs a Savior. And what I want to point out is that we see he, he says the word Lord twice. He says, out of the depths I call to you Lord. And then he says, Lord, listen to my voice. In the original language, he says Lord, but it's, in two, it's two different words. So the first one that he uses is Yahweh. And Yahweh means creator, creator of the universe, creator of the earth and the heavens. He's calling out to the creator of everything, the creator of himself. And then the second Lord is Adonai. And Adonai is master. Adonai is, is, is leader. If, he, if I'm calling out to my master, that means I'm his servant. If I'm calling out to my leader, then that means I'm his follower. If I'm calling out to my shepherd, and I, I preached on this uh, a couple weeks ago in Psalm 23, if I'm calling out to my shepherd, that means I'm a sheep. He's realized that he has to come before God with humility and understanding that he is the creator of nothing except his own problems, his own mistakes, his own wrongdoings. He says Yahweh. He calls him by two names. Have you ever been, if you're a parent in here, has your child ever called you by anything other than mom or dad? Like, if Addie or Titus or Jaden came up to you and said, Tyler Alvarez, we got some problems. Like, you got my attention. You got my attention. We might have some problems because you just, you just decided to use my, my government name and not my, uh, my, not dad, but he's got my attention. And so what the psalmist is doing here, he's, he said, I'll, I'll call God by every name that he goes by if it means that I can get his attention. If I can get his eyes for just a moment. Another thing that I, that I think that we see here, he says, let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. And as we, as we go forward, there's actually, uh, in a different translation of the word, it says, my soul cries out. What I believe is that our soul was created to be in relationship with its creator. Just like the master-servant relationship, just like the leader-follower, shepherd and sheep, our soul was created to be in relationship with the Father. Our soul was created to be in relationship with God, with our Father, with our Creator. In 2015, I believe it was a Wednesday in July, uh, I gave my life to Christ. And it's been eight years. I think eight years. It's been, it's been something like eight years. And in a place where I'm at right now, I can't even fathom. I can't even imagine being without Jesus. I can't imagine walking this earth, doing this life without the relationship that I have with Jesus. And, and the psalmist here, he has such a great relationship. See, he's calling from the depths of his own despair, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't have a relationship with the Father. So what I think that means for us today is that you can and you will 
still go through struggles. Just because you call Jesus your Savior, just because you're a Christian, does not mean that your life will go on perfect. doesn't mean it's going to be rainbows and sunshine. It means that no matter what you go through, you can look to Jesus because he will guide you. We have a guide. We're not walking this life alone. There is no life outside of a life with Jesus, and, and we have to understand that. So let's keep going. We're going to go into, uh, into three and four right here. Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. So right here, early on in this psalm, in, in verses 3 and 4, we see this picture, and the picture is of Jesus. Right, this is the, Jesus was God's forgiveness. With Jesus, there is forgiveness. But first, we have to recognize again the weight of our sin, the weight of our guilt because of our sin. The truth is this. We don't deserve his forgiveness. We don't deserve it. We've created our own sin. We were born with this sin nature because of the, the fall all the way back in Genesis. And every step that we take, every mistake, every sin that we create is a sin against God. And whenever we sin against God, we have to understand that God is just. And because God is just, that means he cannot be in a relationship with the sinful. And there's a, a, rec a, reckoning, a reckoning for sin. But because of Jesus, because Jesus came, he lived, he died, he resurrected, we are justified. We are justified. And in Romans 5, it says we are justified by his death and we are saved by his life. And we're actually going to get into Romans 5 a little bit later, but we have to understand that there is certainty with God's forgiveness and his redemption through Jesus. See, it's not, it might work, it might not. It's not, there's a 50-50 chance if you decide to give your life to Jesus that he may redeem you, he may save you. No, it's, it's 100% accurate. If you decide to give your life to Jesus in that moment, you are justified. And from that moment forward, you begin to step into sanctification where Jesus begins to work with you, with your relationship with him, and to, to create in someone uh, a righteousness that would, would, would tell his gospel to others, that would recreate disciples, love God, love others, make disciples. That's what we're all about. But there is also another part. The closer that we get to Jesus, the more sinful we can feel. Have you ever realized that? Because whenever you get into a relationship with Jesus, you start to understand the, the, the shouldn't haves, right? I, sh I shouldn't do that. Or, or, or I shouldn't think these things. Or I, I, sh I shouldn't make 
These, like if someone's about to cut me off on 85 whenever I'm driving all the way to Malden on a Tuesday, I shouldn't speed up and not let this guy in front of me. I shouldn't do that. But I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm still sinful, right? I'm still sinful. I still speed up. I don't let this guy in. And now I have to repent whenever I get to work and have my quiet time with Jesus. The closer we get to Jesus, we, we start to feel more sinful because we realize and understand that we have a sin nature that we were born with. There's certain things, so it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's hard to, to define. But the closer that you get to something that is in, in all righteousness, you could feel unrighteous because you understand where you came from. You understand and remember your life before Jesus. There's a lot of moments that I have where I'm like, man, if I didn't know Jesus, it wouldn't be pretty. Man, if I, if I didn't know Jesus, we'd have a real problem right now. But because of Jesus, because we have that thought, we can, we can have some discipline. Jesus gives us discipline. Why? Because he wants. Why, why, did, why did Jesus come? It's because God... Our Father, creator of the universe, Yahweh, wants a relationship with you, with me, with all of us. And in Romans, right, I'll prove it. Let me prove it. In Romans 5, verse 8, actually I'll start reading in verse 6. For while, while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely, right, rarely will someone die for a, just, or for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. Maybe. Maybe someone, a random person, would die for just a good person. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not because, of, uh, not because our life got better, right? It's because at the end of the day, we have to come to the very end of ourselves and we have to realize that I have come to a dead end. And there is no other way out but for me to face all of the sin and the guilt and the shame that I've dealt with my whole life. But then there's an opportunity where we can call on the name of Jesus. And a lot of times, I don't know what your relationship with Jesus looks like or how it started, but for me... I know for me, I had to come to the very end of myself and feel the weight of everything that I'd ever done in my life. For me to understand that there is a God, there is a Savior that wants a relationship with me, that wants to save me from myself. But we have to know this. His forgiveness isn't so we can be cleared, he doesn't forgive us so that we can have a clean slate. He forgives us so that he can be feared. And it says it in verse 4. But with you there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. And what does that mean? Right? Fear, revere. It means reverence. It means respect. It means awe. We are in awe and reverence of the almighty God who saved us. 
And it doesn't mean that we're scared of him. We don't enter into a relationship and just go through life because we're scared that God might punish us for making a wrong decision. No, we're, we're scared of being apart from him. I fear being apart from God. From that moment where he saved me eight years ago, every day I walk with Jesus. I, I try to learn more about him. I try to be more like Jesus because I know what life looks like without him. I know what I look like without him. And I never, <laughs> I, hey, I never want to see that person again. He has cre- created in us a new person. We are new whenever we come into a relationship with Jesus. Let's keep going to verse 5 and 6. I promise we'll get out of here soon. Probably. Again, he says, I, well, now he says, I wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in his word. I wait for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. And he repeats it, more than the watchman for the morning. And in the CSB, it says, my soul waits. My soul waits for the Lord. We have to be patient. We have to understand that there is, uh, there is relationship within the wait. Some, we're created in this generation that we're in to hate waiting. We hate it. Everything comes instantly. We live in a world where we can have, you know, Instacart. We can have uh, Grubhub. I, I, so Brittany's birthday was on Friday, and I was at work, and usually, you know, I work close to ch- the Cheesecake Factory, and she loves cheesecake. And so every birthday, I'll go by the Cheesecake Factory and get her a red velvet cheesecake because that's, that's her favorite. Well, at work, I was like, man, I really don't feel like dealing with all the traffic. I'm going to the Haywood, Haywood Mall, I just, it's not, not really my thing. So I said, oh, well, let me get on Grubhub, right? I can get on Grubhub, and I can have someone deliver it to me. I don't have to go to the Cheesecake Factory. I can have someone come to me. And so within, you know, a moment's notice, someone was at the front door knocking on the door. Hey, I'm here. They sent me a text. I'm here. I just had to walk out and get the cheesecake, and now I'm a good husband because I got my wife cheesecake for her birthday. I didn't even have to, you know. Just had to pay for it. But we live in this generation where everything, we want everything instantly. And, and what we're seeing here is that that's not how our relationship with Jesus works. We have to have patience. You ever heard the saying, patience is a virtue? My wife just shook her head because she doesn't have patience. Uh, <laughs> patience is a virtue, but what we also see in the Bible is that it is a fruit of the Spirit. And I always, there's, so there's seven, right? Patience, patience, peace, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness, and self-control, I think. Oh my gosh, I usually always forget one. And I just named all seven. Look, you would think that I went to children's, what is it, children's school? Children's church whenever I was little? I did not grow up in the church, okay? I'm new to this thing, Okay. But we have to have patience in our walk. Because what? Patience grows our faith. If everything was to happen so instantly, we wouldn't have to have faith for God to do something. But no, whenever we wait, 
We wait on the Lord. And it's not, listen, I have to, I have to tell you something. Whenever we, we wait on the Lord, it's not if he will come. It's when he will come. We're not waiting on the Lord in hopes that he may do something or he may not do something. We're waiting on the Lord for when he will do something, because he will. It may not be what, you're, what you want. It may not be the answer that you're looking for. But in Romans 8.28, right, I know it's, you know, it can be on a coffee cup or whatever. It's one of the first verses that I ever remembered, and so it is one of my favorites. And it's one of those things where you look at the clock, and it's like 8.28, and you're like, oh, that's my verse. Like, ever, does anybody have a time where you're like, it's always 4.11 or whatever? Anyways, I'm getting off track. Oh, Lord. Romans 8.28 says that God makes all things work to the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, I think. Um, so we have to understand that whenever we wait, that God will come and that he will make a work out for the good of those who love him. And so then we move on. It's not if, but when. And then he says, more than the watchman for, more than watchman for the morning, I wait for the Lord. Have you ever woke up and hoped that the sun will rise? Like, have you ever woke up before the sun rises and been like, hey man, I hope, I hope that the sun rises today. It sure would be nice. I would hate to live in the dark. No, you, if you wake up before the sun, you know that the sun is going to rise. And so in the same way, we can be expectant whenever we're waiting on God because we know, again, that he will come. That he is already, he's already pulled through for us. We have no reason to doubt that Jesus will not. And so then in, in verses 7 through 8, we're almost finished. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for there is faithful love with the Lord. And with him is redemption in abundance. And he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. So I, I believe that this last section, this last part, is meant especially for us. Whenever he calls out Israel, he's saying, hey, God's people, this is especially and specifically for you. If you believe that you are a people of God, if you believe and you call yourself a Christian, then this is for you, specifically for you. He says, put your hope in the Lord. We have to know that we can find hope and we can find comfort in God's word. And his promises. Because that's what his word is. The psalmist was so confident because of his relationship with God. The psalmist was so confident in knowing that he could expect God to move because he had already had a relationship with God. His, the foundation of his relationship had already been built up over years and years of just being in his word. Being in his presence. We have to be in his word. We have to. It's, it's almost non-negotiable. We have to. We have to create the discipline of being and walking in his word every single day because that's how we grow in our faith, we grow in our relationship, and we grow in our love for our Lord. You can't expect 
to love the Lord and not know what he did for you. Whenever I, I realized just how great, uh, how great of what Jesus did for me, it created this desire in me to learn more about Jesus, to want to be more like Jesus. We can rejoice in the Lord's steadfast love and his re- abundant redemption. It says his, his redemption is in abundance. It means we are not just redeemed once, and that's it. It means that every single day, because we sin every single day, we are redeemed once we repent and come back to, come back to the Savior, come back to Jesus. Jesus is the well that never runs dry. Every time we come to Jesus, he has something for you. Every mistake that you make, even the mistakes that you continue to make, you can still come back. There's still something else for you. There's still something new for you. You can still be created new. We have to be in the scriptures. It says, I put my hope in his word. And if you've read John, verse 1, right? Chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This is Jesus. This, this is Jesus that we're reading about. This is Jesus that we're reading, and he is speaking. This, I believe that the word is still alive and active. I believe that I could read the same verse for a couple weeks and learn something new every single day that I read it. That's, that's why I believe that the Word is living and it is active. So, throughout all of this, in conclusion, right, we can put our hope, right, we can get our hopes up for Jesus, because he is worthy of all of our hope. There's never been a moment where he has not been worthy of your hope. There's never been a moment where he has not been worthy of your faith. If you put your faith in Jesus, you're, you know, you're betting. You're betting on something that is 100%. Because he has redeeming love. We can rely on him amidst all of our challenges, every, every, our everyday life, we can put our hope in him. But we also have to understand this, that our faith is not in what he can do for us. Our faith is in who he is for us. Like Preston, Preston preached a couple weeks ago, and he said, if Jesus wasn't in heaven, would you still want to go there? And the answer is No. <laughs> The answer is no, I, I wouldn't want to go anywhere where Jesus is not because Jesus is the one who saved me. Jesus is the one that loves me regardless of anything that I've ever done and every wrong that I've ever committed against him. It's about Jesus. So today, my hope is that you would embrace, embrace your own hope. Embrace your hope that is found in Jesus and in his word. 
Now, there's a lot of people in here today that are struggling. There's a lot of people in here today who have felt like they're in this revolving door where life just keeps hitting them and beating them down, and they can't get out of it. They feel like there's something that they're missing out on. They feel like no matter what happens, no matter what they try to do, there's always something else. And so what I want you to know today is that you can, you can put your hope in Jesus. You can put your hope in Jesus, and you can also put your hope in the community that Jesus has put around you. Justin and Ashley are not in here right now, and I didn't even ask them if I could talk about this, but Justin had to have surgery. And because he had to have surgery, it put him out of work for two weeks. No income. And so whenever they brought this to us, uh, we decided to, to put out a meal train to help them with meals uh, so it could be a, a convenience for them, but also so that we could help them because they are, they're our family and they're our community and we have to step up and love our community well. And so what did we do? Church, we did it. We filled up every single day and we were able to bring them meals so that they wouldn't have to worry about one thing. And that's all it is. Right? We are a church that is based and founded on loving God and loving others. And that's what this is about. This psalmist, in all of his despair, all of his sin, all of his guilt, and all of his shame, knew that he could cry out to God because God would answer him. And what I'm telling you today is that you can cry out because he will answer you. You can cry out because we will help you as your church. And I'm not sure if that's prayer. I'm not sure if that's salvation. I'm not sure if that's a meal train. I'm not sure if that's uh, supplies of some need. Whatever your need is, we are here to help you. And Grayson would repeat that same sentiment. So right now, we're going to enter into a time of prayer. I'm going to pray for us. Dear God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you that in every moment of despair, God, that we can cry out to you. That we can depend on you, God. That in our waiting, whenever we do cry out to you, God, that we can wait in hope. That we can live in hope for you, God. That we can put all our hope in you, all of our faith, all of our trust, God, that we can put it in you. So this morning, I pray that uh, you would just allow us to, to walk out of here, walk out of these doors into your hope, and that we would understand that you are Lord. You are God. You are Yahweh, creator of the heavens and the earth, creator of us, creator of me, God. I pray that as we continue to go throughout this week, that we would uh, that we would take what we learned this morning, that we would take the words that you have spoken this morning and just put them in the practice, that we would tell someone about you, Jesus, that we would tell someone about your redeeming love, about who you are, that we would tell someone our story. But more than anything, God, that we would realize that you love us more than anything in this world. And you created our soul to cry out in relationship with you, with its creator. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.
enter into this time of communion, I want us to reflect on the gospel. That sounds so normal. That sounds so simple. That's Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you were encouraged by the message. At ID Clifton, we exist to love God, love others, and make disciples. To learn more about ID Clifton, including our gathering times, small groups, and events, please visit us at idclifton.com. We'll see you next time.